2: Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: Welcome to Between the Links with your
2: host Mike Heck. All right, we are back. Welcome to a brand new episode of Between the Links on MMAfighting.com. My name is Mike Heck. I am the host and moderator of the program. And good lord, do we have a lot to talk about following UFC 251. We do have. One new champion in Piotr Jan after he finished Jose Aldo in the fifth round on Saturday night. The two other title fights, both champions retained, and that has created a lot of discussion amongst the MMA community. So let's talk about it right here, shall we? First, let us introduce the combatants first, the challenger. He's looking to capture the title this week after coming up just short against Jose Young's in the inaugural episode of the show a few weeks back. He is joining us, the Prince of Positivity. I guess now he calls his homeland Brazil, looking at the shirt, but from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Alex K. Lee and a fresh haircut to boot. Welcome back, sir
1: shout outs, shoutouts to uh, the Brazilian Beast Gear, May Cruz, who's, uh, who's providing all that fantastic coverage on site in Abu Dhabi. This is for him. Uh, and also, I didn't want to confuse people because as I know you're going to introduce our, our special guest today. Uh, we are sort of representing the same territory usually. Uh, but uh, yes, glad to be back. I'm glad the, uh, the sinister reign of Jose Young's appears to have been ended for now. I'm sure we haven't seen the last of them, but uh, either way, I'm excited to, to uh, debate or, or conversate, as we say up north.
2: There we go. And looking to make his third title defense, technically, because we didn't air his second title defense. But coming off a big win on last week's show against the aforementioned Mr. Youngs, introducing the reigning, defending, undisputed, Between the Links champion of the universe, your friend and mine, Mr. James Lynch. Good to see you, my friend. Welcome back, champ.
3: Thanks for having me back. I told you, anytime, anywhere, glad to be back defending my title.
2: There we go. So for the rules, just... Go into the archives. We have too much to get to, to explain them all. But first off, let's start with the main event of UFC 251. Kamaru Usman picks up a pretty one-sided unanimous decision win over Jorge Mazadal. He retains the title. After the first round, it didn't seem like he was in any danger whatsoever in that fight. Now, despite the dominant win, gentlemen, fans have been very hard on Kamaru Usman, saying his performance was boring. He's been taking a lot of crap since Saturday night. So AK, we're going to start with you first off. Your thoughts on Kamar Usman's victory over Jorge Mazadal, and on top of that, how people have reacted to said victory.
1: Look, Kamar Usman is a great champion. Okay, there's no arguing that. 12-0 in the UFC right now, just tied to you know the great GSP's UFC welterweight win streak record. So uh, I, I have nothing but, but high things to say about it. However, as I assume we're gonna take, we have to take a stance here, I, I do have to say. I understand why fans aren't, you know, head over heels in love with with uh, the champion after his second uh, dominant title defense. Uh, he's, look, we can say everything we want about what do hardcore fans appreciate, what do casual fans look for. The fact is the majority of people watching this fight are not going to, you know, uh, remember this as an all-time great sort of like thrilling performance by Usman. You know, and, and that's, look, that's not his job. Okay, I know uh, we're talking about sports entertainment here, MMA, but his job is to win fights and his paycheck doesn't change that much, depending whether he has an exciting fight or not. Unless we're talking about, you know, fight of the night bonus, maybe some future negotiations. But from what we know, I think Luke Thomas pointed this out on on Twitter the other day, they get paid the same. The most important thing is retaining the belt. So he took care of business, which is great. But at the same time, I will say fans who are critical of and say they don't want to watch him. uh, Look, I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong. James, what do you think?
3: It wasn't the most entertaining fight in the world, but what were people expecting? I, you know, I think if you look at the last fight against Covington, that was pure stand-up, But had Usman fought Masvidal like that, that would just be a bad game plan. Why play to someone's strengths? I don't know what people were expecting. Like, were they expecting? I think people were expecting Masvidal to pull off the upset. I think that's what they were hoping for. So he already had that strike against him. And then the fact that, you know, had Usman, uh, you know, lost this fight, there was way more for him to lose in this in this matchup. Like people don't seem to care that Masvidal lost over the weekend. So I think for Usman, it's there was a lot going into this. He couldn't just go out there and be reckless like he has a title he, you get paid more if you're the champion so him losing would be a bad bad thing or whatever um yeah it wasn't entertaining but i just don't see a way there were, it was going to be entertaining because all usman had to do to win the fight was to wrestle he's not going to take a risk and try and strike him and I'm, i will give usman credit he did try and strike with masvidal but you're not going to do that over the course of five rounds when you have this clear advantage in wrestling. So, like I said, I don't know what fans were expecting Usman to do. Like he wasn't gonna go out there and knock out Moswell in the first round or submit him or anything like that. This was the type of fight we were gonna expect. And I just want to touch on something because AK mentioned GSP. A lot of people are like, well, no one got mad at GSP when he fought. Well, GSP was fighting a lot of wrestlers, so it was a totally different style matchup than what we saw on Saturday night. So I think we've got to cut Usman a little bit of slack. But saying that, how could I sit here and lie to everyone here and say that was the most exciting fight ever? It wasn't. I think unfortunately the bar was set so high when he fought Colby and people are so, you know, they romanticized about that fight that they were expecting a similar performance in this one. And that just was never going to happen when you looked at this fight on paper.
1: Yeah. And by, and by the way, uh, people did criticize GSP a lot. I think, I think if people look back on, on, I don't know, sure dog message boards or the underground or something like that. <laughs> Even today, there's people who will go look back and say GSP was a quote unquote a boring champion. So, this is kind of like a mileage may vary type thing. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, and, and maybe five years from now, people will be looking back at Usman differently. I'm not sure. But uh, GSP did take a lot of a flack for his when he became a, you know, a primarily wrestler. Just to interject
3: and, here quickly, though, I think part of that, though, that saved his was a saving grace was the fact that everyone liked him. He was this like respectable oh, yeah. champion. And, you know, his personality is a little bit different than Usman. He's a little bit more outgoing. I think that's more why they, yes, people did cry, criticize him. I'm not going to deny that. But Usman getting it even worse because he's a guy that just has not captivated an audience since beating Colby. Like you don't like more people were talking about Masvidal heading into this fight than Usman. They even showed the numbers after the fight. I think Usman had like whatever 300,000 views on his post fight presser. Masvidal had like 2 million. So that just shows you the difference in the two fighters.
2: Well, clear, yeah, clearly it made a huge difference in, in the numbers across the board, not just the, you know, the videos on YouTube and, and, and links to your website, but just overall pay-per-view buys. I'm sure ESPN plus was much happier having Jorge Mazadal in that in that fight than Gilbert Burns. And, you know, I, I just kind of piggyback on what you guys just said, because like like James iterated, this fight went exactly the way I thought it was going to go on Saturday night. Like I knew Mazadal would be a dangerous opponent, especially in the first couple of rounds, but with everything factored in, it just wasn't a great matchup for Mazadal stylistically. And Usman is a tough out for absolutely anybody at 170 pounds. But What is it about Kamara Usman that rubs people the wrong way, James? Like, there's—you guys both mentioned GSP, and we talk about his career. He's one of the greatest of all time. But at one point, starting at UFC 100, I think he had seven straight wins that were all decisions. Like most of them were dominant outside of the Johnny Hendricks fight. But I remember him getting some flack. But he's Usman's getting like nuclear heat for having a win as dominant as as he got it on Saturday. Why, Why is it? Why? I know Usman isn't like the most personable guy in the world. He doesn't have the accent like GSP. He's not wearing suits and smiling all the time. But why why does Usman get so much heat? Why do you think that is? It's a couple of reasons. Number one, I think he hasn't fought that much, right?
3: Like he beat Woodley in March, then he fought Covington in December. And now he's fighting here in July. There's a lot of gaps in between there. So fans are very much like, what did you do last weekend? Right. So I think that's part of it as well. We haven't seen him that much. Two. I don't think he's done a lot of media, to be honest. Like you, you see, he does the odd interview with, you know, TMZ or ESPN or whatever, but he doesn't get himself out there enough, I don't think. And like I said, when he beat Colby, he was on top of the world. Did you guys see any momentum after that? Did you even remember that he was champion like three months later? Because like they're just he wasn't putting himself out in the limelight there, there wasn't any heat. And Masvidal and all these other guys, even someone like Colby, who I know a lot of people don't like, he's still doing interviews and putting himself out there. So I think that's part of the reason, too, where fans need to be invested in something. And I just feel like that was never the case with Usman, um, you know, leading in even into this fight. Like, I don't think people were that invested. Everyone wanted to see Masvidal win just because he's the king of marketability. And and he's someone that has done a great job of that.
2: AK, same question for you, but I will say this to kind of add to James's point. I don't think this is Usman's fault. Really not getting out there and doing the media, because if this is three or four years ago, Usman's doing media with anybody who DMs him on Twitter. But he's with a different team now. He has a different manager. I think you know who that manager is. I'm not like trying to trash him or anything like that, but it's not his fault is what I'm trying to say. Like if you if if you didn't have to go through multiple different channels to try to book an interview with Kamara Usman, chances are he'd probably do it.
1: Yeah, there's a certain degree of exclusivity to him now. I, I suppose is the best way to put it. Uh, yeah, and, and but I. I- would honestly think that he probably enjoys not having to do as much media. I mean, he said during last week, I believe the noble quote was something to the effect of, uh, look, I'm a true martial artist. I'm not a. I'm not a, a, a trash talk master. That's not what I'm trying to be. So even if he was doing all this media, it really isn't in him to you know, make these grandiose statements to start these verbal feuds. He's been very clear about that. You know, that's no secret. Um, one thing I wanted to note was... <laughs> And Masvidal, by the way, for everyone like who who you know blames Usman um, for for making this go to a decision, Masvidal before I think 2016, right, this guy was a submission uh, a decision machine. I think he went to a decision prior to this like crazy run he went on in like 19 of 21 straight fights. So he has 28 decisions uh, in his 49 fight career. So. Yes, recency bias. He's been an amazing finisher lately, but it's really unfair for people to go like, "Oh, it was all Usman." Masvidal has gone to uh, gone to points many, many, many times. So, uh, yeah, these really strange narratives going into this fight. But you know, that's MMA. What have you done for me lately, right?
3: Quickly to just interject there, how many fights though? When you watch Masvidal, do you say that was a great fight? That was like a fight of the night. You don't really get <laughs> that with Usman, and you know, true. again, it's maybe unfair to criticize him that way because that's just his style, where he'll just sort of suffocate his opponents with his wrestling and his conditioning. But with Masvidal, you know, he's going to get hit in the face. You know, he's going to, you know, do something exciting. So I think that plays into it as well. Is that Mm Mosserol is a guy that people want to watch fight, whereas with Usman, maybe not so much.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. It's just crazy. And AK, I want to go back to you. Is, Is this heat that he's getting, is this a good thing primarily for Usman as his career goes on? Because from a business sense, he could embrace this role. And I'm not saying like he has to go full heel and start, you know, jumping people from behind and swinging steel chairs at his opponents, but he should embrace this role and be like, listen, you know what? If you don't like it, Do something about it, stop the takedowns, stop the clinch work, and it won't be that way. Like, if he came out and just said that, or, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, people will pay to watch him lose eventually. He's in kind of a weird position right now. Is this heat primarily a good thing for him if he acts on it the right way?
1: Gosh, it's really not, if only because, uh, unlike in pro wrestling, where being a heel is certainly easier than being liked, in MMA, it's difficult to do either. I mean, it's 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 one thing to have people, like you said, dislike you. That's actually easy, I should say. It is easy to be disliked. To make something out of it and, like, make it part of your persona and a marketable thing, extremely, extremely difficult. I, I noted – so, I, you know, I wrote this column on Sunday. I won't repeat it verbatim. But essentially, he's become this sort of ultimate buzzkill, as it were. He has fighters bringing their very strong narratives into the fight – but then once they go five rounds with Usman, boom, Like that's it's, it's squashed. It's over. And, and that's not always the best thing, unfortunately, for the UFC. Definitely not the best thing for his opponents. And unfortunately, at times, not the best thing for him because you need rivals and you need storylines. Uh, so when you kind of just snuff him out like he has – and again, this is not his fault. He's doing his job. But when you kind of snuff him out uh, as, as he's been doing, it, it, it makes this unfortunate scenario for him where, yeah, he can't really capitalize on whatever supposed heat or, or anything that uh, that his, his natural persona generates. So, no, I, I would lean towards this – not being a good thing, and I'm not sure what direction he has to go in to uh, to, reach that sort of GSP level of appreciation.
2: Agree or disagree, James?
3: No, I agree. And I think even go back to that whole uh, altercation at the Palms with Colby Covington. Like, I don't think that made him more popular. I think if anything, it just it made the whole situation look worse because he's trying to be this respectful guy. And then he goes and and does this. And I know his manager played a role in that as well, too. But I mean, that that should have been something that was going to get people either to love him or hate him. I don't think it did anything. I think if anything, it just, uh, you know, like Alex said, kind of buzzkill a little bit. So um, yeah, it's just it's unfortunate that, you know, because Usman is a great fighter, but it's just like that doesn't you have to translate that to to fans. And you have to get invested and you have to get interested. And I think there's just some fighters have it and they don't. And I just don't think Usman has that, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy because he's like everything you would probably look for in a martial artist at the end of the day. He's a nice guy. He's a family man. He's, you know, he's a good dad. He's a champion. He's hasn't really lost many rounds. As a not, not, No fights in the UFC, but he's lost maybe like two rounds his entire UFC career. I mean, this guy is something else. But at the end of the day, the uh, point is going to go to... Alex Kaylee. okay he gets on the board here.
1: This so. has been very cordial so far. by the way. I paused to everyone for how polite we' like we said, two Canadians we're gonna do. Well, we've got but plenty of gonna, show like, left. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna try and channel some aggression towards James. I'm gonna pretend he like says something bad about like Ryan Hall or like Michelle Peretta. <laughs> uh, you know something like that. and then that'll get me in the in the zone because, uh, yeah, I'm ready to, uh, yeah we, I'm ready to bite. I'm ready to bite but that was a, that was a bit of an easy one, right, Mike.
2: Yeah, but I, I think you guys both went in different directions. You guys chimed in on what each other said, so this is a good conversation. I, I got to sit back a little bit and watch you guys get after, which is nice. But uh, let's go. Let's let, let's add on to this fight in particular before we move on to. Some of the other stuff that happened on saturday night because right now we have two guys in the welterweight division who have legitimate arguments to fight for the title next against kamaru's so we have gilbert burns and we have leon edwards james we're going to start with you here the right thing to do clearly is give gilbert burns the shot he was supposed to get it in the first place at ufc 251 before the covid test happened this makes the most sense in the world but mma makes no sense 95 percent of the time so let's Let's think about it this way. If you were the welterweight division's commissioner responsible for hiring the next guy to fight Kamaru Usman based on resume alone, like throughout the whole thing, who deserves this shot more because of what what they've done to this point in this division? Is it Gilbert Burns or is it Leon Edwards? It's, it's Gilbert Burns, and
3: and the reason that is is because if you look at all the wins that Leon Edwards has, what is there a bigger win on his resume than beating a guy like Tyron Woodley? I mean, I know Woodley, you could say that he's lost a step, he's a little bit older, but the way Gilbert Burns beat him, that is bigger than any win that uh, Edwards has had. And Edwards has had some good ones. He has, you know, Vicente Luque, Gunnar Nelson, he has Cerrone, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, but none were as big as Woodley, and I think that's really what separates him here. And, you know, we talked about the buzzkill with Usman. I mean, at least if he fights Burns, you have that interesting angle of two former teammates fighting each other. So there's some more incentive to do that fight. And I don't like the idea and they've done this before and I'll give an example, but I don't like this idea where if you give someone a title shot, something out of their control then takes them out of that title shot. And in Gilbert Burns case, it was COVID-19, uh, the, you know, Sajara Eubanks was supposed to fight Valentina Shushanko. Do you remember this? And then they just were like, oh yeah, that never happened. And we, they did Cormier and Derek Lewis, but like, they've done that before where like someone's had a title shot and then they've just taken it away. So I think Burns was owed that he was getting ready to fight for that fight, um, against Kamaru Usman. Uh, you know, Usman left the camp just to make it accommodating for, for both fighters to actually take the fight. So I think they should rebook it. Not just that, but I mean, Burns is a finisher. That is, I mean, the Maya knockout. You saw the, um, you know, I, th- I think with Woodley, obviously, like it, you know, it's it just a dominant performance. But yeah, to me, Burns is right now he's he's the hotter ticket. And you have to go all the way back to what July of 2019, the last time Edwards fought. I'm a big Leon Edwards fan. I like him. Great interview. You know, good guy. But uh, you got to go with the guy who's hotter right now, and that is Gilbert Burns. I mean, this is a no brainer in my opinion.
2: AK. Both guys have a claim. Both guys have lost big opportunities along the way, like James said, due to things out of their control. I mean, Leon Edwards was supposed to get that Tyron Woodley fight before all this craziness happened, and let's be honest, the fight probably would have been pretty similar if Leon Edwards had fought Tyron Woodley too, but who has the better overall resume? Who is more deserving of that next title shot based on that criteria?
1: Classic anti-Brit, James Lynch. James, listen, <laughs> James, we're no longer part of the colonies, man, get over it, all right? We don't have to have that animosity towards the British anymore. I love it. I just watched that movie, The Gentleman, <laughs> the other day. British people are awesome. This is a shout out to all my British homies. I'm representing everything but Canada today, but shout out my Brazilian homies, shout out my British homies as well. Uh, James can James claim Canada. Uh, now, Mike, you you know, you and I, we we did a feature short, I know, after the event, and we with uh, doing some matchmaking, and we both agreed Burns is the fight we want, uh, and it was, certainly was a fight originally made. I will make an argument for Edwards. Uh, I don't believe the word deserves or any derivation thereof exists uh, when we're talking about MMA, especially the UFC, but if we are, just for the sake of argument... I do think he is really deserving, and maybe slightly more so than Gilbert Burns. That eight-fight win streak is really hard to argue against. And we mentioned how much of like opportunities, uh, certain things are just out of his out of his control. You mentioned the Woodley fight, of course, and, and who knows how many other things, um, you know, slipped out of his hands. You know, rumored bouts, things like that. Just because, again, he doesn't have that cachet. He's not a super exciting fight finisher. I think he's a good fighter, but again, he kind of falls into that uh, that stigma of people saying he goes to a decision too often. Which, again, whatever, Majmudarri. Uh, so, but eight-fight win streak. Uh, Dos Anjos, Gunnar Nelson, Cerrone's last three wins—very high quality. It's really, really, I think, almost unfair to him for him not to at least be right up there with Burns. Even though, yes, I know the Burns fight was essentially made uh, saw essentially made was made—and then taken out of his hands for uh, you know horrible reasons, of course, contracting COVID-19. But uh, I, I will say, I think Edwards actually is slightly more deserving. Not necessarily the fight I think we want, or that fans would want. But deserving, I, I, I would certainly give uh, Rocky uh, a nod here.
2: Let's keep this in mind too. Before Gilbert Burns was slotted in t- at UFC 251, it was Mazwell number one. Leon Edwards was number two. He got the call before before Burns got it. But you know, you got to step up, and Leon Edwards just due on based on COVID restrictions in England. Like he had no nowhere to train, he couldn't get a, a, a camp, any kind of a camp ready in time uh to get ready for July 11th to fight Kamaru Usman so it just couldn't happen but Gilbert Burns is just a, a freak of nature he's just a weird guy that you know even if it was just him in a in, a, in his garage with one punching bag that would be enough for him to take any fight because that's just the kind of guy he is so i think we're all in agreement that burns should get this next shot because of just how everything's played out but yeah leana words definitely has an argument but look we're we're in a ratings world here we want people want to hear about Jorge Mazedal. so ak back to you we have a guy like Masidal who and, and, and I'm sorry, he lost on Saturday night, and it wasn't a close fight, and I will give him props for being a savage and taking this fight on six days notice, but he still got dominated and controlled for most of that fight. So in my opinion, his stock does take a little bit of a dip. Like, not much, but just a little bit. It, it, it's just the way that it is when you get into a main event spot, a highly anticipated fight like that, and you can't really come through and you get dominated for 25 minutes. Still. With that said, he has a lot of options with his star power. So, if you're the UFC, Alex, what do you do with Masvidal, who has still this momentum in this star power next after Saturday night?
1: Well, speaking of Masvidal, and also just one last thing about the Edwards' thing: the fact, uh, missed opportunities for Edwards. The fact that they never that they did not make a hard push to get him and Masvidal in the cage after that altercation in London is is absurd, promotional malpractice. But it's so far in the past now; it's crazy that most people don't even talk about that anymore. But uh Yes, uh, I totally lost my train of thought, Mike. What, what were we saying?
2: What's next for Masvidal?
1: Yes, what's next for at all? <laughs> Uh I know Dana White said he doesn't want the BMF belt to be viewed as like an official title. Okay, you know we all and we all agreed it, it should have been that kind of cool one-time token thing with Nate Diaz, and uh, to you know not really be something that they treat seriously, but. Technically, he didn't lose it. You know, it was kind of cool to say BMF belt versus uh, UFC undisputed welterweight champion. But it's not like the BMF belt was on the line. So since he still is the BMF champion, and the beauty of it is, is, you know, wins and losses don't affect it. I kind of wanted to see him in a fun matchup. And there's another one I threw out there in in our post. I'd like to see him fight Anthony Pettis. I know it's not Conor McGregor. I know it's not Colby Covington. You know, some of these sexy names that are floating out there. But from a style standpoint, man, that's exactly the kind of fight Masvidal should want. He's probably a little too big for Pettis, but hey, Pettis seems comfortable fighting at 170. Masvidal definitely is. That that's that's a cool fight I'd like to see that I think most people haven't really thought about. But once they, if they saw a book, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, I want that.
2: James, what do you think? Because well, I, I think that fight's never
3: yeah. going to happen. First off, I mean, what Anthony Pettis really? There's no way he's going to fight Anthony Pettis. Let's get real here, okay? <laughs> Masvidal is the biggest ticket in the UFC right now. He's going to fight someone with a name. Pettis, former champion, a decent name, but not the type of name that's going to get him a big payday. Remember, it's all Bweetie's about the box. money. Yeah, well, Wheaties box. What? How how long ago was that? It was ages ago. And by the <laughs> and way, MMA, you mentioned the like Twenty years. Yeah, hold on, hold on a second. Uh, you mentioned Leon Edwards as well, of why he didn't fight Masvidal. That's because, again, I think it even shows even more that Mo- that a lot of fans don't care about Edwards. That was a legit confrontation they had. And Ben Askren talked his way into that fight with Masvidal. So that overshadowed that. So I think, again, that just shows why Edwards is not the, the choice here. It should be Gilbert Burns. But anyways, what, what's next for Masvidal? Um, and didn't mean to interrupt the host. My apologies there. I gotta have some Canadian and maybe a little bit play here. But uh, in general, I think there's a couple different ways you could do this. Number one, I think, the, um, I, I think you still got the Nate Diaz fight. I know a lot of fans don't want to see that, but I mean, that's still a big money fight and a winnable fight for Masvidal that would get him back on the winning track and could set him up going on further. The other thing it sets up is a potential Conor McGregor fight. I've said this for a while. That's the biggest fight you can make in the UFC right now is Masvidal and McGregor because of the fact Stylistically, you know these guys aren't going to take it to the ground. They're going to stand and trade and just the, the pay-per-view numbers on that would be insane, but I don't think he'd do that next because I don't think McGregor fights until they get the crowds back. So that's why you do Diaz first, give it some time to simmer and then you do the McGregor fight next year. The other angle you could do on this is him and Colby Covington. I mean, there's clear heat there between the both of them. The only problem there though is again, it's not a good style matchup for Masvidal. Do you want to risk him losing two fights in a row? I know he's lost a bunch of fights already, but um, you don't want him to lose to, to Colby, but if the UFC thinks that Masvidal could beat Colby and you don't like Colby and they're not in a rush to book him, then maybe you do do that fight and they're former teammates. So I think you got to look at with Masvidal. He's not like any other fighter. He's not just going to fight like a like a Leon Edwards or a, or, a, you know, anyone like a Wonderboy Thompson rematch. They're not going to do that. They're going to give him a big name. He calls the shots now. That's why he was the, the UFC decided to pony up that money and give him the Osman fight because they knew how much better that pay-per-view would be. So trust me, Masvidal Pettis never happening. It's going to be, like I said, Diaz, Covington, McGregor, one of those names uh, in there, I think, next.
1: Last there's thing another, on this, swipe oh, God, Leon. There was another swipe at Leon in there. What is going on?
3: It's not going to happen. we got to look at this from a marketing perspective. I'm a big Leon Edwards fan. I think he's great, but we got to call it like it is, man. We can't be too polite as Canadians. We can't just, you know, overcompensate for things. I mean, let's get real here, right? Like, that's why they weren't in a rush to make that fight with Edwards and Moswell because Ed- Moswell might lose that fight, and it's not like it's going to help Leon Edwards if he wins. Fans would hate him even more.
2: All right. So how about this? What, what, if people don't really care about Leon Edwards, why don't we make them care? Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. Any chance that fight happens? Because you and I, James, we both have spoken to Colby over the last seven days. He said the same thing. I'm ready. I'm the people's champion. I'll fight anybody the UFC puts in front of me. It seems like if Burns is going to get this title shot, there's only one fight that makes sense If because we don't think Mazdal is going to fight Leon Edwards. Why not Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington? I think that I think that makes all the sense in the world at this point.
3: Because there's Tyron Woodley. He's a former champion. They've had heat for years. Colby will be getting Woodley at a perfect time where he's coming off two dominating losses. I think now that's if the UFC sees something in Colby, they want to continue building him. That's the fight to make. Absolutely. But they could do the Edwards fight if it's just a case of Colby needing to fight. Because who's he going to fight? I mean, he can't just sit on the sidelines any longer. He hasn't fought since December. They're going to need to put him in there soon. So Edwards is an option. But one A for Colby, if it's not Masvidal, would definitely be Tyron Woodley. That's the fight to make.
2: It's so interesting, James, because I asked him the same question about Tyron last week and he said he had absolutely no interest in fighting him anymore. And then he talks to you and he says he, says he does there's yeah. heat. I'm the people's champ. I gotta give the people what they want. AK, what do we do with the Colby Tyron Leon Edwards little triangle here? Cause you could all you could put Leon Edwards in that fight too. I'm all for this
1: Col- Colby versus Leon thing now that you guys mentioned it. Uh, again, look, we know Colby would have a field day. I-, I can only imagine the horrible, horrible British stereotypes that he would bring up. But you know what? He'd pop up on your show, Mike. He'd pop up, I'm sure he'd do an interview with James. Him and James could share, could share some great stories about their anti-Britishness and how much they dislike Leon Edwards. So that would be great. That would flow very easily. <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm all for that matchup. Yeah, so, sign me up. I like I like the idea of, of uh, Leon versus Colby. All
2: right, we're going to have to do on to the next one, part two, tomorrow on MMAfighting.com. Yes. Uh, the point goes to the Canadian. Although, the, the, the one real Canadian. Canadian, the one is actually wearing his colors, I know, neat. I know. Trying to build up that drama. I think our producer will appreciate that. But let's move ahead to the other massive talking point from Saturday night, and that is the co event between Alexander Volkanovski and Max Holloway. It was a close fight. It was a really good fight between two of the best 45ers in the world. In the end, two judges saw it for Volkanovski He retains the title via split decision. Now, to to make it a little personal here, for the first time in a long while, I have taken a bit of a beating on social media. Why? I said this fight wasn't a robbery. I mean, holy crap, I can't believe those words came out of my mouth. How dare me for saying that, but just, just to make this a little more sweeter and just to make sure that I was correct in saying so, rather than get a couple of hours sleep after the event before an early morning tea time with my father on Sunday, I sat down and I re-watched versus Holloway. And in the end of those 25 minutes, even more so, I didn't think it was a robbery. In fact, hot take alert, get your sound cues ready to go. There was even more of an argument in my mind that Volkanovski won that third round on second viewing. So I... I will also say that my opinion is my opinion. That's how I saw it. doesn't really matter. The judges make the final decision. So anyways, Mr. A.K. Lee, we're going to start with you. No one in the media space has more respect from the fans. No one in the media space has more experience in robberies, in fights than you do. Was this a robbery on Saturday night?
1: Of course, it wasn't. This is, Mike, look, you you took a lot of flack on social media. And guess what? That's what happens sometimes when you are absolutely correct in today's age of social media, okay? You're going to take some flack. And look, uh, by the time uh, this, this airs, my, my latest robbery review about this rematch, of course, will be up. Uh, and look, I fully expect to hear from the other side of it. There's some people who are questioning why I even did an article on on a fight that was so obviously not a robbery. So you're going to hear both sides of it. But I mean, if we just, even if you just sample some of the fighter reactions, the majority of fighter reactions I saw were were questioning uh, that that decision. Uh, even uh, Tyson Pedro, uh, Volcanopsy's countryman, was like, happy for Alex, but a uh, little, little unsure about those scores. So he was very nice about it, but he was among the people questioning it. Uh, no, it's not a robbery. Um, I, I did, for the record, I did score it for Holloway. That, that, at first glance, I said Holloway won the fight. But it was a close fight. And the first thing we always say is, for the most part, fights that are that close and that competitive Almost can never be called robberies. It just seems contradictory, in my opinion. If you want to dig a little deeper, and again, this I wrote I wrote about this, the stats will shock some people. Uh, in no round, and we're just talking about significant stats, and again, uh, significant striking stats, and again, not every significant strike is created equal, obviously. Uh, Volkanovski did not lose a single round on significant strikes. Uh, the first round was a tie. Uh, and these are, by the way, uh, from ufcstats.com. The first round was a tie. Uh, the second round, Volkanovsky had a one significant strike advantage, and then he blew out the, He blew out uh, blew out all the other rounds by double digits. So, uh, yes, th- those don't tell the whole story. Holloway was not credited with any knockdowns, but we all saw the stagger in, at the end of round one, the stagger at the end of round two. So not a knockdown, but really a knockdown almost by any other name. Really a credit to Volkanovsky's tough- toughness more than anything else. But uh, So, no, if you take the stats... It's not a robbery. If you take the eye test, it was such a close, enjoyable, entertaining fight. Um, and yes, it was definitely fun to root for Max to get his belt back. I was probably a little biased myself. And and once I saw how well he did in the first two rounds, was already writing that narrative in my head that uh, he, he was, he'd was come back to win. But after watching again, as you did, really close. I could really see for Volkanovsky, uh, no, not a robbery. No way.
2: James, was this a robbery? Like the great John Anik was one of the people who replied to the tweets and said, listen, robbery gets thrown out too much. Maybe hosed. Maybe I'll go with the word hosed watching it at first glance. Did Max Holloway get flat out robbed on Saturday night? Absolutely not. I actually scored the fight for
3: Volkanovski. And I think part of the reason my viewing was different than a lot of other people's is I had the commentary down. I was doing other stuff that night. So sort of, you know, just watching it without the commentary. And from what I could tell, just watching some of the the fights, like some of the, um, you know, the commentary was a little bit biased uh, because I did watch it again. And I I realized that, yeah, look, they were kind of going for Holloway a little bit there. So that's part of it, but this is what it comes down to. Okay. Max Holloway. I think no one's going to debate this clearly won the first two rounds. I don't think there's any debate with that. I don't think you give Volkanovski those first two rounds. The third round is what decided the fight. And that's where people, people get uh, you know, upset is that a lot of people felt like Holloway won that, but I scored it for Volkanovsky. You got to look at the fact that he did land. I think it was a three-piece combination. He also landed a counter uh, left in that uh, round as well, and he blocked some leg kicks. He also went for a takedown, which he didn't get. But again, I thought Volkanovsky was doing a little bit more in that round. And like Alex said, the significant strikes. Like if you look at the difference, um, you know, it, like people don't look at that; they just look at what they saw on screen. You got to look at those little details as well. Now, four, four, and five, I thought were clearly Volkanovsky's, especially that fifth round where he was able to get the takedown. And, and able to impose his will a little bit. So, um, no, it's not a robbery. A robbery, is to me, is where clearly like the other fighter did not win a single round. Like You can't sit there with a straight face. Even the biggest Max Holloway fan can't sit there with a straight face and say that Volkanovski didn't at least win two of those rounds, let alone one. Diego Sanchez and Ross Pearson's a robbery. Why? Because I don't think Diego Sanchez won a single round of that fight. There's a huge <laughs> difference between that and something like this that was a close fight. A robbery? Absolutely not. A close fight? Absolutely Look, if it went 48-47 Max Holloway, no complaints on this Canadian's end by by any means because it was that close of a matchup. Not a robbery, though. Get your facts straight, people.
2: And here's the crazy part of this whole thing. Everyone talking about the third round being in question, all three judges, all of them, even the one who mm-hmm. scored the fight for Holloway scored it for Volkanovski. Every single judge gave the third round to Volkanovski. One thing I do mm-hmm. want to say, and, and I did have – at least one respectful conversation on Twitter with someone about this. When the the scoring structure is based on a boxing model and you score fights with that model, this says more about this whole conversation than anything else. And guess what? This is not changing anytime soon, ladies and gentlemen. I hate to tell you this. like These commissions, they can't even get on the same page with rule sets and definitions. And you want to throw away the playbook and just start from scratch? Are you crazy? How the hell do you expect that to happen? This is just a wild time that we're in right now. But anyways, Alex, James gave his definition of a robbery. I'm starting to sweat here. But- What constitutes a robbery in your opinion? James gave his example. What's your example? Uh, Firstly, as you
1: mentioned, it's funny that it came down to the last round and that one of the, like, if it came, one of the judges gave that round to Holloway, and if yeah. you look at the numbers, I think that was actually the big statistically the biggest round for uh, Volkonovsky. So very strange. But uh, what defines a robbery? Okay, Pearson Sanchez for sure. If if we were actually doing a dictionary definition, you would have a you would have a, a photo of Pearson uh, Sanchez from from uh, that from that fight because that was absurd. Yeah, no, it has to be. Ideally, obviously, you know, there's like a something truly controversial, like a knockdown, or something that for some reason is ignored. Uh, again, like we said in Pearson Sanchez, but even for the most part, even if it's just a fight where there's no knockdowns or no takedowns, there are fights where you can tell one guy is just tooling another guy up on the uh, on the feet. We've seen we've seen it happen. Uh, it's happened to Leonard Garcia a bunch of times in fights that he's won, where anyone with any sort of critical eye can see that yes, he's an active fighter. He's he's swinging for the fences. He's he's walking forward. He's got octagon control. Ugh. uh but <laughs> but if you're not landing anything you can't score it or if the, or if the punches are being like I mean judges they're trained judges they have to be able to tell which shots are glancing which shots are coming off the arm which which kicks are getting checked it is it is a tough thing to do I, I'm not saying it's easy you know the, judging fights live, Obviously, when you're not watching from TV, you're a judge. You only have one angle, one particular angle. It's difficult, but that's why you're a trained judge. They're they're more qualified than us, you know. And we watch a lot of MMA, but they're more qual. They should be way more qualified than us to do their jobs. It just often doesn't seem like they are. So, uh like like James said, I don't know if, if he, it has to be a fight where a guy didn't win a round, but where he's but one where he's at least clearly outworked in two or more rounds. Uh I, it's not a phrase I like to throw on often, but it certainly happens. And and you, you know one when you see one is probably the best answer.
2: All right. So I have I, I have two questions. One has to do with this, this fight and one has to do with the main event. All right. Alex, I'm going to ask you about this fight in particular because we've had this conversation before. How different of a fight would this have been between Holloway and Volkanovsky if there was open scoring?
1: <sighs> you know, I'm one of those people. I'm not an advocate for... No, I shouldn't say. That. I, I I understand the the why people want open scoring, and it certainly ha- would have its benefits. But I. I don't know if I'm I'm in favor of saying that it would it would have affected this particular fight at all. Uh, yes, Holloway did seem to take the uh, you know the the foot off the pedal just just a touch in round five, and that's the one where you know Volkanovski, like I said, pulled away, and I think we all thought he he won that last round. But I I don't know if that has again as much to do with him thinking that he was comfortably up, or again Volkanovski just being a great champion and and finding his rhythm and and finding Holloway's timing. So this particular fight. I can't imagine that open scoring would have mattered because I, cause I can't picture someone like a Holloway ever taking a round off. You know, that guy is, is again, talking about great champions. He himself was a great champion, still is an, an incredible fighter. One of the best fighters in the world. And whatever the score is, he's, he's going, he's going to give his best, you know, for, for five minutes, even if he did lose that last round.
2: All right. And to James, how different would the Usman versus Masvidal fight have been if there were fans in the <laughs> building, booing, complaining, throwing stuff, Like, they wouldn't have thrown stuff, but you know what I mean? Like, if you heard the sounds of 15,000 people booing and, you know, would it have changed the referee's perspective? Like, would the fight have gone any
3: differently? No, not not at all. I mean, Usman, no matter what, knows that his job is to win. He knows that his paycheck's not going to be as big if he if he doesn't beat Jorge Masvidal. And you beat Jorge Masvidal by using your wrestling and using your conditioning, and that's what he did. I don't think it would have made a difference because he's had fights that have gone the distance before. It's not like something new uh, where where he has to you know sort of think of it. And not just that, like you know, I, I think in general he's just he doesn't strike me as a guy that gets influenced by the crowd. So um, that fight would have been pretty much the same. If anything, you just would have heard more booing or more cheering from Masvidal on the broadcast than you would have uh, with with
2: nothing, obviously point for this round goes to james lynch as we head to the final question of regulation look ladies and gentlemen no one's complaining here okay this is our job to watch these fight cards especially one of this magnitude like ufc 251 but we had a long night on saturday night it seemed like that whole card took forever from start to finish and i believe like the numbers suggest that this was the longest card in UFC history, when it ter- in terms of how many minutes were actually spent competing in the cage. I think it beat it by like five or six minutes from the Marcin Tybura main event that we actually got to see in our lifetimes. But listen, not every card is gonna be a knockdown drag out affair. It's just it's just not gonna be. But James, I want to start with you. On paper, UFC 251 was a big fight card. I think we gave the entire episode during regulation last week to the build up to this fight car. We had three title fights, main event that got the world buzzing, but in delivery, what would you grade UFC 251 as a whole on Saturday night and why?
3: I give it a seven, and the reason I wouldn't give it like full marks or totally is because you know the main event didn't play out. I think, I, I mean, we knew on paper that it wasn't going to be like it was probably going to end up like this, where Usman would go out there and do what he did. So we'll we'll kind of scratch that out of the equation now for the second here. But I think you had some. I mean, we talked about robberies. You want to talk about robberies? Let's talk about the undercard with Pavia and Zum- um in the in the flyweight fight. I mean, that was one that I thought should have gone the other way. How about uh, Sakalov and Zaleski? That was another fight that should have, I think, went the other way. So you had two bad judging scorecards on that. You had the. Lead Leo Santos fight, which just like what? Like, could have Bogotov's like stock gone on any lower in that fight? He was undefeated heading in, gets two groin shots, does the uh, you know illegal knee. Like this guy's like just asking to be called a dirty fighter for the rest of his career after doing that. But we're guying Leo Santos, who might be like the nicest guy ever, just was so like nice about everything after the fight. So there was that. The Tybura fight was awful. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It just was not very pleasing. Like you knew that this is what happens in heavyweight fights. If there's not a quick knockout, then it ends up going a three-round fight and it can be kind of boring. Um, the only sort of saving grace, I think, which is is why I give it sort of above, like a you know fifty percent. Is um, I, I thought the Davy Grant knockout was great. I thought the Heba's uh, uh, submission over Paige Van Zant was very impressive. I actually didn't think that fight would be, end so quickly. And then the Namajunas Andrade fight really delivered, as did the Yan and Aldo fight as well. But uh, I, I think you know, to me seventy percent, seven out of ten. I think that's a fair score, just with what they had to deal with, some of the changes on the card and everything like that. But bad judging and and a couple bad fights in here can't give me full marks in my opinion. So that's why I'm going
1: with the seven out of ten.
2: A.K. James has given it a seven, A.K. a C. What say you?
1: That's a C. I got a lot of sevens when I was in school. I thought that was like a B or, oh no. He's lying. This guy got straight A's. You know I, right. <laughs> well, I thought I was, but apparently seven wasn't as high as, as it actually is. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll be generous and I'll give what I thought I was getting in school. Uh, I'm definitely going to give an eight and the good thing for the ufc is when they can sort of package the best parts of this together i mean it'll look like a nine or a ten because yes if you're talking about the live experience the live what was this over eight hour experience if you chose to watch from the from the first you know very very first early preliminary bout or had to as as is uh, as the case with us love my job uh it, it i mean look nothing that i don't like watching movies that last over two and a half hours long so if you're talking a sporty event that's eight hours long you're really pushing your luck, buddy. You're really pushing your luck. So in that sense, yeah, it can't be higher than a seven. It's not possible. But again, if you if you take the best of it, like I said, an, an eight or nine, because the three three of the, uh, sorry, four of the, of the five main card fights were all compelling in their own way. Uh, again, we said he bust a great finish. I thought uh, the women's strawweight fight was really good. So tense. Uh, Jan and Aldo was great. Volkanovsky and Holloway, I know people are mad about the decision, but I think when they go back and watch it, they realize, holy crap, that was like a really, really good five-round title fight. Just like incredibly well fought and then like i said if you can if you can ignore some of the other stuff you have uh, what a debut for prohaska uh amir khani with that fantastic submission uh carol rosa not an exciting performance but someone who looks like a contender at 135 so there's all these stories david grant became just, only just the second knockout of his career his first finish like eight years there's so much for the for the ufc editing team to work with here so for them it's it's at least an eight possibly a nine it, it, it was it was just a very very successful event and and if they're right about the uh the way the numbers were trending once masvidal got involved then you know even better for them um and and a sick part of me, I'm sorry. Uh, the the 30 minutes of foul time that we had to endure, I think <laughs> horrible. But some of it was darkly hilarious. Okay, poor poor Zubagulov takes two kicks to the yabo's and loses the fight. <laughs> and took the fight on short notice. And his opponent missed weight. That's 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 MMA. And uh, and uh, Roman Bogotov, gosh, I don't know what this guy was doing. Uh, Jed Mishu and I are always. Uh, advocating for more cheating in MMA. He may have been reading too many of our articles because this guy needs to settle down. He went he went wild in there. I mean, those two cup shots were were accidental for sure. That knee, I don't know where that came from. But uh, yeah, so it, this card had it all. Big, big fights, uh, good entertaining fights, and also uh, dark, dark, dark comedy.
2: Uh, Mike Coppinger of The Athletic just tweeted out that UFC 251 generated approximately 1.3 million pay-per-view buys on ESPN+. So those, those are the numbers he's getting. So, you know, success. The UFC can say, the well, most these guys of are saying. Staffed, I'm telling you. Oh, Jake. for sure. He's a massive star. But to follow up, and James, I want to flip-flop this thing back to you because Jose Young's brought up an interesting question during our post-fight show. Going back to, like, UFC 240 and, like, how these pay-per-view events played out and how fired up people were to talk about it after the fact. Like, I'm not I, – I don't want this to come off, like, disrespectful at all. But well, was this like one of the worst overall pay-per-view cards in delivery in recent memory in terms of entertainment? Like compared to 249, 250, even the past ones, this wasn't this wasn't as good as those other ones. Was it well like where would you rate it? Where would you rank this thing out of the last 10 pay-per-views? Well, if we're going
3: strictly on the pay-per-view, I actually don't think it was that bad because the undercard, I think, was a little bit worse in terms of some of the stuff that happened. But as far as the pay-per-view itself, I mean, yeah, they all had, most of them had like a good main event that people were like, oh, this was like a main, like Ferguson. I mean, we're really comparing this like Ferguson and Gaethje, which is just like almost unfair because that was just such a crazy fight. But uh, I-, I think, I think in general, um, yeah, I would I'd, I'd probably put it like maybe like number three spot, something like that. Uh, but, but part of that, too, is just the style matchups as well, right? Like we shouldn't have expected Usman to go out there and have the type of fight he had with Colby Covington because it's just a completely different fight. He's fighting a guy whose strength is striking, so you weren't going to see that in this fight. Um, I thought volkanovski Holloway was a great fight, too, but unfortunately, the judging was uh, overshadowing that. Dion Aldo, we haven't even talked about this. I mean, how late was that stoppage? I think that's also overshadowed that, how good that fight was, because people are talking about the stoppage instead. Uh, Namunis andraj that had bad judging. How did Andraj, how was it a split? I thought Rose clearly won that. Uh, her corner, Andraj's corner, telling her she's up two rounds, that was crazy. Uh, Rebus Van Zandt, I mean, that was pretty predictable, but yeah, I wouldn't, it, it's definitely 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 behind those other ones. Like you said, I can't remember all the top off the top of my head, but in general, it's definitely not one of the best ones that executed like you were saying.
2: Yeah. I I think AK, the question like for like the entire card or or, or whatever, you know, where was this one ranked? Like if you look at all the pay-per-view fight cards from start to finish from UFC 240 to UFC 251, where's this thing? Where does this thing end up on that list?
1: Uh, like James said, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not like uh, uh, Jose Young's uh, uh, John Nash type where I can remember all the all uh, the pay per views and who fought on what. So uh, I'll say it's uh, if I had to guess off the top of my head, I still would put this one like in the upper half of of the of that that stretch of pay per views. I think you guys are being way too harsh on the preliminaries. Like I said, yes after. <laughs> Yes, after the Davy Grant KO, it, it was it was tough going for a few fights. I I admit, I admit. But once Santos Bogotov happened, look, that fight was rough. But that was like watching the room, uh, uh, the room version of a fight. You know what I mean? That was some Tommy Wiseau uh, uh, chaos, which 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 I can enjoy. You know, Bogotov, like ah, I did not, I did not hit him below the belt. You know, that sort of thing. So, uh, I think you guys are being way too harsh on the prelims. Uh, again, maybe now that I've survived the experience, I can I can st- I can talk about it more positively. But I would put it in the upper half of the last 10 or 11 or so pay-per-views.
3: Let me just interject here quickly yeah. because Alex K. Lee did have a tweet on Saturday night. I'm going to reference it here. And this might change your decision on what you guys think of who won this round. Uh, did you not say that I don't remember anything notable Marcin Tybero's career? So if you're saying that, does that not make the undercard <laughs> not so great? Come on.
1: I, I'm not saying it was amazing. I'm saying that, that there was a three-fight stretch there that was rough. But if that you're was, saying something that like that, brutal. does
3: that not make it not a great prelim? Does that fight not stand oh. out like a sore thumb? I mean, you bring, can't, you can't put that up there. If you're, oh, but if you're you talking,
1: can't ignore the Prohaska performance, which was, hala- which again, Good hilarious. performance, but we knew the that Amar- was going to be a good fight. The Tibera you know, fight, great. that was it, a big It lived story. up, it, the, the only, the biggest disappointment for me was the, the King of Kung Fu versus uh, Capoeira. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, technically maybe a decent striking match, but certainly not the kind of martial arts movie we were all hoping for. But no, I think there's enough highlights on the prelims to say that they were not, I, I did not consider them to be like, Ext- extremely bad. There, there have been. I, I would, I would definitely say there have been worse preliminary cards uh, on pay-per-views uh, uh, than, than than this one uh, recently. So, uh, no, I, I thought there was definitely enough highlights that uh, I left, kind of leaving with a little, a little bit of a, a buzz.
2: Yeah, I usually judge these cards based on how I feel after the fact. Like there are certain cards where I, even if I wanted to go to sleep, I just can't because I'm just so fired up after it. Uh, this is not one of those cards. I wish <laughs> I could go to sleep. I just couldn't because I had things to do. But. Uh, <laughs> the point goes to mr brazil alex k lee i want to hear this fifth question so let's make it happen this is the knockout round ladies and gentlemen one question that neither of these guys know about i'm so excited just hit the table so hopefully they are ready for this they will each have 60 seconds to give their answer once the round is over we will go to judge e casey lyden in the truck to render the final decision james as you know the choice is yours as the champion would you like to go first or pass it on to Mr. Alex K. Lee? I'm gonna pass it on this time, use a different basketball reference, Pip into Jordan. There you go. There you go. AK,
1: here is the question. But I'm Jordan? and That's not right.
2: <laughs> True. But we have <laughs> we have two, two more consummate. fight island cards coming up just this week. Okay. We got Calvin Kader versus Danny Ege. That headlines, Wednesday night card, Wednesday nights card. And then we got Davis of Figueroa versus Joseph Benavides for the flyaway title. That is scheduled to headline Saturday night's card. And AK, you know me well enough by now that I am a storyline story guy. So here's the question. What is the most under-the-radar storyline heading into the rest of this week? Could be a fight. Could be a fighter. Could just be a crazy out-of-the-box storyline in general. The choice is yours. 60 seconds on the clock. You may begin. I don't. I, I
1: I thought you were going to ask which is the more compelling fight. and I know you would have picked Cater because you're a New England guy, uh, but I think, and I know you've just mentioned these two, but I have to I have to put extra emphasis on this because I'm such a fan of this guy. I don't think it was emphasized enough in their first meeting and I don't think it's being em- emphasized enough now. I don't know what it is but people need to talk more the possibility of Joseph Benavidez finally winning that UFC title. Uh, I, look, Figueroa won that first fight. He missed the weight. It, it, was a, it was an unfortunate thing. There was a headbutt in there which which definitely counted. I'm not making excuses for Benavidez but anyone who saw that fight knows it, it ended under unfortunate circumstances. You know, not, not ideal. So Benavidez is a guy who has fought fought and gone to a decision with some of the best in the sport he's like unappreciated pound for pound I think one of the best guys ever but because he doesn't have that UFC title or the WEC title he just doesn't get that respect he deserves and and I will say speaking from a fanboy perspective seeing him finally capture that belt I think that would be one of the best stories of the year and I I really don't feel like people uh, feel the same way even after it happens but I think they should and I think they should uh, give him his respect if he wins on on Wednesday Uh, not Wednesday whenever that sorry Friday
2: Saturday Saturday. What day is it today? <laughs> it's Monday. See, that's that's because UFC 251 seemed like it took three days, but I'm just kidding. No more no more shitting on the card, but James, you're up. 60 seconds on the clock. Go. Mine
3: is going to be the co-main event of Saturday's card, Jack Hermanson and Calvin Gaslam. This is very, this fight is going completely under the radar. It's such an important fight for the middleweight division. I don't think people realize that if Calvin Gaslam loses on Saturday, which is entirely possible, by the way, I see he's the betting favorite, but Jack Hermanson's no joke, had the one loss to Cantonier, but before that had a nice winning streak, including a win over Jacare. Uh, if Gaslam loses here, that's going to be three in a row. And I don't think people have are going to have even like processed the fact that this is a huge fall from grace for Calvin Gaslam because he was seconds away from winning that interim middleweight title against Israel. Adesanya in that fourth round when he knocked him down. He was very close to winning that fight. He loses the Darren Till fight, had a bad weight cut. That was a fight he was favored in as well. And now he's fighting a guy in Hermanson, where even if he beats him, it's not a huge name for him in the division. But if Hermanson wins, that gets him right in the horse, uh, so to speak, in that division and gets him back close to title contention like he was before prior to fighting Jared Cantonier. And you think of Gaslam, an ultimate fighter winner, a guy that, you know, is also on as a coach as the ultimate fighter, pretty popular guy. Not a lot of people are talking about him. So if Gaslam loses this weekend, it could be very detrimental to his career.
2: Here. ak went a little over the time limit as to james so what's good for the goose is good for the gander i think that's the the cliche term but at this point we got to head off to the truck to the man with the golden gavel there's only one thing left to do ladies and gentlemen it's time to crown a champion so e casey Lydon, the man who calls it right down the middle like bill alfonso and ecw back in the mid-1990s you've heard the closing arguments how do you rule who's walking away with the most coveted title in mma media
0: gotta get a pen and paper gotta add add these scores up don't hurt yourself (laughs) oh god Mm -hmm. Okay, I have to readjust the scores now (laughs) (laughs) you're a winner the Brazilian and new
1: Alexander the bad boy Kaylee that's, wow. a, that's, a, that's a split decision at best. That's a split call at best, uh, much like the many that we saw on Saturday. So,
2: this might uh, be the Volkanovski versus Holloway. It might be. Comments. I think we're gonna get some comments Yeah. Be the links. Casey, comments. Be- before we give Alex his thirty seconds, can you, can you give us a reason why you, you went with AK here?
0: Joe Benavides. Joe Benavides. The guy. The guy might be. He's in that. He's on that list of the greatest UFC fighters that haven't won the belt. And I, I believe he's on that kind of, you know, that, that, that list you don't want to be on. in, You know, you want to be on it, but you don't want to be on it. And um, I think that, um, by far, is the biggest story coming out. Um, and uh, it's a bit of a positive thing. Kelvin just is, uh, you know, Kelvin losing it would suck, you know, how close he was to gold. But um, I think uh, the Benavidez story, the rematch and the headbutt, the weight cut, even this drama coming in with the COVID testing um, for his opponent. So, that that edged it out for me.
2: I will agree with both of you that both of those stories are supremely under the radar when it comes to Fight Island. No doubt about that. But AK, you have 30 seconds. You know how it is. You can talk about anything you want, good, bad, and different in the sport of MMA. Go ahead. Uh, well,
1: for one thing, I was playing to an audience of one with that answer. I knew, uh, I knew, the, I knew the truck would appreciate that. So I, I cheated a little bit. I cheated a little bit. Uh, you know what I'm going to say? What I'm going to say is, uh, guys, keep, please keep, uh, during these difficult times, please keep supporting uh, writers and media and content and stuff that you like it's great that the UFC is back and, and most and a lot of us are back in full force but definitely support people especially my man James Lynch here who is just the guy does not stop I mean I I, I know it's my 30 seconds but I do want to ask James uh man what, what outlets are people can people find all your interviews on right now because uh again I'm just I'm making a broad point not just about you and me but there's so many good towns out there and again it's really tough times for everyone and uh and, and you know people support who you like I, I know we don't agree with everyone's opinions I just started doing more Sunday columns for, for our website and I, believe me I'm hearing it people's mad so uh, yeah I, I do want to give a little bit of time to James just say man what what is up and uh, where can they find you because they gotta support people like you and all those other great uh, interviewers and writers out there
3: well, I really appreciate that. And you're definitely living up to the stereotype of being Canadian. So that's good, despite what your shirt says. Uh, you know, glad to see the Canadians are, you know, getting our stereotype there. But no, I really appreciate it. Easiest thing to do is just follow me on Twitter, at Lynch on Sports. I work for a number of different outlets. I'm going to be putting stuff on all types of different platforms. So uh, we'd be here all day if we had to list all of them, literally. <laughs> like, it's even more of a big Crazy. list than last time I went freelance. So I'm just trying to keep the lights on and uh, continue to, to provide uh, some awesome content. So that's uh, that's pretty much it on my end. But thank you, though. I really appreciate that.
1: Madman man. James Lynch. Mad man.
2: What a friendly way to cap off an intense battle on Between the Langs. James, long-running champion, longest-reigning champion in the history of this of the show. I know it's not a, a huge run, but it's, but it's been pretty damn impressive, and you have a open invitation to return and, and, and get your immediate rematch anytime you would like. Alex, congratulations on becoming the champion. What an episode this has been. Hopefully, we have this much to talk about on next week's show, but we get you covered on MMA Fighting with all things Fight Island. The Brazilian Beast is out there just crushing it on the island right now. So make sure you follow him on Twitter, Gui Cruz. I believe there's three Zs at the end of that. So give him a follow and then check out all our coverage on MA Fighting YouTube, all that, and so forth and so on. So for James Lynch, for Alex Kaylee, our new champion for EKC Light in the truck, Estrelin on the graphics. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back here next Monday. Actually, it'll come out Tuesday, but we're we'll recording on Monday. Leave me alone. We're going back between <laughs> the links next week, for God's sake. See you later. <laughs>
0: has been between the links with your host Mike Heck brought to you by MMA Fighting a production of
1: Vox Media
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network
0: From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.